Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for a new day. Um, thank you for the chance to meet together. And we pray that in your mercy you would bless us uh, as we meet together now. Amen. Okay, just round tables as we start. Um, imagine someone said to you, um, why do you go to church? Okay, so as a Christian, you're not talking about non-Christians. They're not asking what the gospel is. Why do you go to church? What's the purpose? Two minutes, round tables, and then we'll come back together. Okay, so what kind of things do people say? Typically, when you say, you know, why do people go to church? What kind of stuff do you get back? What kind of things do you chat about? Anyone have any reasons why they go to church? Okay, worship. Good. I mean, that's a good safe answer given the, safe, uh, the sessions. What about if you're putting more flesh on the bones? Pardon that out a little bit. What kind of things? Bible tells us to. Bible tells us to, <laughs> yeah. Obedience. Okay. Okay, good. Well, there we go. That's, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you spring out of bed in the morning for the reasons you had to church. Um, let's dive in. Uh, we said a couple of, uh, well, no, one week ago, worship is engaging with God. Okay, in the way that he desires. So worship happens when God and his people meet. Okay, when God and his people draw near. And we saw last time that it was the goal of God to meet with his people right from the beginning, right from the Garden of Eden. And so worship, it wasn't meant to be this kind of niche activity or one part of the Christian life. It was just the Christian life. We meet with God as he draws near. And worship is the right response. Uh, and therefore, again, just recapping what we saw last time, worship... Um, with worship, sorry, God is the, the one who takes the initiative. So before it's something that we do, God has to start the whole process. He creates, and he created us to worship him, so he takes the initiative. Then when we sin, okay, he has to rescue us, then we can worship. Uh, and therefore, obviously, we can only come in Jesus' name. Fundamental to worship is, is coming in Jesus' name uh, in the gospel. But we didn't really talk last time about why. You know, what's the purpose of all this? Why does God promise to meet with us? What should we expect? Because um, that's going to shape how we approach those special times of worship, that kind of corporate worship this series is really uh, all about. And therefore, to understand what happens when we worship, what happens on a Sunday morning, if it's all about meeting with God, we're going to pause and think a little bit about God. Um, think about marriage. Why did you marry your husband or wife if you're married? Um, you didn't get married because someone explained to you the duties of marriage. Okay, now I understand what a husband has to do, now I'll get married. No, you, you got married because you fell in oh, hey, um, because you fell in love and therefore you worked out the duties. So you know the person first and then the duties follow. So when you think about those about God and how the nature of God shapes how we worship. Um, two things. Uh, down there on the sheet, the first one, the God who deserves everything. Perhaps the most obvious reason to worship God is that God deserves worshipping. Okay, it's, it's, I guess, kind of obvious. Come to Revelation 4, please. Revelation 4. And verse 8. We'll get from verse 8. So we're seeing into heaven. Revelation 4, I'll read from verse 8. The four living creatures, each of them with six wings, 
are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Here you go. Here we're singing to heaven. You've got these strange creatures. Um, who don't have sin, okay, so there's no, no blindness of sin anymore, no corruption, um, they see clearly, they can follow their heart's desire, and what is most exciting to them, what do they, they do, these strange living creatures in verse 8, they never cease, never cease, these all-seeing creatures full of eyes, day and night, to, to worship, holy, 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 they, they praise God, they don't get bored, they dry up and think, well, It'd be nice to get to the end of this so we can go and actually get on with life. Day and night, these all-seeing creatures um, just want to keep looking at God and worshipping. Now, I don't suppose that means that, I don't know how many words that is in Greek, I can count, but whatever, 12 words in English or whatever it is. I don't suppose it literally means they just say 12 words on a kind of loop. But it does mean they never stop praising him. Same with the 24 elders, fall down in response. Worthy are you, our Lord and God. And why? Uh, They praise him, first of all, for who he is. Holy, holy, holy. Remember Isaiah, uh, when he gets a glimpse into heaven um, in Isaiah 6, and again, the creatures are shielding their eyes. Their big cry is, holy, holy, holy. Um, The the way, at least in Hebrew, in the Old Testament, the way the language works is that to say something three times is is a bit like saying um, the holiest. You You just couldn't get more holy than him. This is the dominant characteristic. So they praise him for who he is. And they also praise him for what he's done, verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honour and power, for you created all things. And by your will they existed and were created. If we look, if you look over the column, chapter 5, verse 9, it's not just praise for creation, it's also praise for salvation. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 9. Worthy are you, praising the Lamb, worthy are you to take the scroll, open its seals, for you, Jesus, were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. So it's worship for what God has done. Just a little side note on that. Sometimes you hear people say, do you love God for who he is or just because of what he's done for you? Um, you, know, do you, you only love God because, um, because you know, he saved you or forgiven you or almost as if that's a bit second best and if you're really pure you just love him for who he is irrelevant just don't see that in scripture at all um they're praising him because he is saved um you can get so super spiritual that you end up almost kind of killing yourself do i have the right love for god that is pure and not just because he saved me and frankly you can't love god until you know he saves you because otherwise he's just this terrifying holy being who's going to judge you um so anyway that's a bit of a side note um the worship who he is what he's done and you see that time again in the, in the, in the Psalms, don't you? Um, we often begin the, the service with a call to worship. We almost always begin with a call to worship, very often from a psalm. A psalm that will begin, you know, praise the Lord. Um, today we're doing um, Psalm 103. Uh, why do we, bless the Lord, O my soul. Okay, another way of saying praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember all he's done. He forgives your iniquities, who heals your diseases, who lifts you up from the pit, who... On and on and on and on, Psalm 103 goes. 
So worship is a duty, but also understood rightly, it's meant to be a delight. Remember that first question of the catechism? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. They're not two separate things. Okay, Sometimes you're glorifying God, sometimes you're enjoying him. The idea is that as you glorify, worship, praise him, you enjoy him. That's why it's what is the chief end of man, what's the chief purpose of man, not what are the chief ends, plural, or purposes, plural. It's actually as we worship and respond rightly to God that we'll begin to enjoy him more and more. And that's why, again, I put some verses on the sheet in the blue quote box. When people draw near to God, safely, rightly, as saved people, uh, then joy is what follows. So Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's where you're headed. Fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Psalm 43, 4, then I will go to the altar of God, the place where he dwells in Old Testament language, to God my exceeding joy, and I'll praise you with a lyre, O God, my God. 45, I mean, these are almost picked at random, there's so many of them. With joy and gladness, they're led along as they enter the palace of the king. Worship and joy are meant to go together. So one of the, again, this is a bit of a side note, but one of the, um, what's the word? One, of the, one way to understand the tone of worship, it should be joyful. Now, joyful doesn't necessarily mean always smiling. Okay, you might come to church, you might be in tears for very good reasons, and you might remain in tears all the way through the service. But, um, but deep, there's a deep down joy ultimately to be found. In God's presence. And if we could see clearly, like the creatures and the 24 elders in heaven, well, that's how we'd always feel when worshipping. Um, I know we don't, okay? I know from my own experience, and I know from yours too, that you don't just bound into church on a Sunday morning full of joy. Um, but it's good to know that one day you will be like that. Okay, one day it'll be like that in heaven, even if it's not quite yet, always. So, first reason to worship God, God deserves everything. He's worthy. The second one's a bit less intuitive. And I want to talk about this a bit and then, and then go back into discussion groups again. Second, I mean, I've just picked two things about God. Obviously, there's loads you could talk about God, but I've picked two. The second thing I want to focus on, though, is, is God needs nothing. Okay, he deserves everything, but he needs nothing. Does God need you in any way? No. Does he benefit from you in any way, from us? No. Is there anything you can do to make God happier, or indeed for that matter, sadder? Ultimately, no, there isn't. And that is good news. That is good news, honestly. It might not sound it, but it is really good news. Um, this is, again, this is sort of Old and New Testament taught both across the, uh, all across the scriptures. Think of the burning bush. When, when Moses says to, to God in the burning bush, who are you, basically? You know, who am I going to tell the Israelites with what God has sent me? God says, I am who I am. And he symbolises that by the flame in the bush. Remember, the bush isn't burning. There's a flame, a fire. It's in the bush, but the bush isn't burning. In other words, the fire, which represents God, just the fiery cloud of pillar led them through the desert and all the rest of it. The fire, which represents God, is down among his creation, in the bush, but it's not burning the bush. It doesn't need the fuel. It doesn't rely on the bush. 
And so the picture, the flame, is a picture of the name. I am who I am. I just exist. I don't rely on anything else. I had no beginning, no end. I don't need anything. He wasn't lack anything before he created the world. He just is. And therefore Paul can say, Romans 11, down there on the sheet, who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Who's ever given anything to God? I mean, obviously the answer implied is well, no one. You ever made God happier? You ever made him richer, made him more powerful, more... No. Because for, from him and through him and to him are all things. He's already got everything anyway. You can't add to him. I've used this quote a few times and I, can, I still can't pronounce the name of the guy who first said it and I'm not going to try. Um, but it really struck, I heard it at a conference one, it really struck me. Um, and the quote is, um, God plus the universe is not greater than God on his own. It's a bit of a paraphrase actually, but God plus the universe is not greater than God on his own. That blows your mind, doesn't it? Because that just can't be true because any other situation, John T plus George is more than John T on his own. Okay. A chicken plus an egg is more than a chicken on its own. Like, every other, you know, that plus something else increases it. But not with God, because he was already all-sufficient. And therefore, in, in application to worship, Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by men, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. There you go, just explicit. Doesn't need anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God can't take anything from you, doesn't need anything from you, because he's given. He only gives. Uh, that helps understand Revelation 4, if you still want to open in front of you. Um, look at verse, say, 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to re- receive glory and honour and power. How does God receive glory, honour and power? We often talk about glorifying God, don't we? It's glorifying God. When we do that, we're not making him more glorious, are we? I think about power. It, what does it mean? Worthy of you to receive all power. Do I, when I worship God, do I make him more powerful? If you've ever read this, you know, some of the, the sort of myths of ancient Greece and um, well, lots of the, the myths of the ancient world, you, you, know, you had to sacrifice to the gods and it made them stronger and you know if you didn't sacrifice enough cows or bulls or whatever then eventually the god would become weaker and so actually you were genuinely blessing the, the god of the ancient world you were strengthening him paul says nonsense not like that not like that at all you know you don't add any power to god when you worship him you don't add any glory to him so what are you doing You're simply using all the power you have to praise him. You're worthy to, to receive everything that I am, all my, all my energy. Um, you're worthy to be the one whom all my glorifying is directed at, as it were. Um, back in the 90s, cracking illustration for about four of you. Um, there was a band, Sixpence on the Richer. Um, I don't, I don't know Sixpence on the Richer. Yeah, Brett. Let me just show a little illustration for Brett. Thank you, Brett. There we go. Um, six minutes on the richer. They, they were huge for about ten minutes. Um, and they had one big hit called Kiss Me, which I'm not going to sing. Uh, and weird name for a band, Six Minutes on the Richer. Turns out they're Christians. And it's, it's a line from a C.S. Lewis book. Uh, and he's talking about exactly this. And in the book he says, imagine a father gives a child sixpence. 
and the, 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 um, the child so loves his father that he thinks, oh, he goes down to the, uh, I don't know what you buy your dad in the 1940s, the pipe shop, um, uh, and buys a lovely pipe for sixpence for his dad, brings it home to his dad and gives it to his dad. Lewis says the, the, the dad is, he's sixpence and on the richer. He hasn't actually gained anything, has he? And yet that still is a, a beautiful act of devotion. It's not that the father has gained anything, really. He gave it in the first place, he gave it back. And yet that is a great response from, from the child. He's got to understand rightly what he's doing. So if afterwards the child is like, no, look at me, dad, I've just got your pipe. So he's got a bit funny in his understanding. Rather, the idea is that the father gives, we give back. But we need to remember that, that at the end of it, God is sixpence and on the richer. What's the relevance for all, of all that for worship? Okay, why are we talking about that? This, is, this isn't a series on the doctrine of God. Why are we talking about that in worship? The big question in worship is who gains? When you come through the door on a Sunday morning, when we stand for the call to worship in the first hymn and then we close with the benediction, who has gained in that hour and a quarter? Not God at all. Frankly, the whole church packs up shop, gives up, no more Christians left in the world. God is, God is still fine. We've not damaged him. He's not going to grow weak. He's still Father, Son and Holy Spirit, perfectly blessed, to use Paul's language at the end of 1 Timothy, so perfectly happy, basically. He's not going to get in a bad mood. He's not going to fall apart. So all the gain in worship ultimately is ours. The glory is his, but the gain is ours. It's for our benefit, in other words. And I think that's really important to understand in worship. It's, it's, we so quickly default to what we do for God. Okay, what are we meant to do for God when we come on a Sunday morning? Or how do I do things rightly? Is it, you know, but actually, the gain is all ours. Because the only way God can act towards you, if you're one of his people, is in grace. He can only give, he can't receive. And so we are going to go on in the future works to weeks to think about what we do and why we do it. I mean, literally, what do we do? Why do we sing or preach? Or... But we need to go into it with a mindset that all of it is for our gain. All of it. Not just, say, the sermon where we receive, but even the things where we're active. You know, we're singing or we're praying. or It's all for our gain. His glory. Our gain. Now, I'm going to get you back into groups to discuss it. Because they don't want to ask anything at this, this stage. Because you're about to go and talk about this in groups. Which went, hey, Monday. You're not free of the Holy Spirit. So, mm. as you yeah. Yes. So, brilliant. Um, tempted to refer you back to our Doctor of God series. Uh, where we go through all this. But, yeah, it's a really good question. What about the language that we grieve the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Um, all the language about you know, pleasing your father in heaven there's loads of language that seems to say so um, what, basically that language is like all language about God is, is picture language so it's, it, if you sort of trace it all the way back it is not saying that um, in the same way as we do uh, let's take the grieving one um, when we grieve the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is literally in heaven going oh Oh no! Oh, you know, because God is forever happy. He's the eternally blessed God. He's the unchanging God. So Malachi, James two, there's no change in God. So emotional change would be change. You know, and imagine if that was the case. It basically, God would be. You know, I get up in the morning. Even this morning, I get up this morning. Um, the kids are playing this sort of. 
I don't know what on earth game they were playing in their bedroom. We put all of them in one room because George's parents were here. They were playing some game and they were loving it. Uh, and it's you know, delightful. You can hear it. The baby's giggling as the big children play some sort of cowboys <laughs> and knights and dragons. I don't know. I said, oh, that's really sweet. Um, go and have a shower. Two of them start fighting. I'm like, oh, stop it. Stop it. I'm frustrated. Come outside. Grandpa's made pancakes. Oh, I'm happy again. Um, you know, my moods go like this because I change. God's not like that. And he'd be a disaster if he was, wouldn't he? Because he would be, he'd be looking at Billy Graham and thinking, oh, brilliant. And then he looks across at some false teacher and his cross. And, and so when, when language about God changing is used in the, in the Bible, this is really quite deep stuff, which I'm trying to summarise quickly, but um, what, what it's really saying is, um, this is the, what is changing is the effect it's going to have on you. So if you... Um, if you sin, you will come under the wrath of God. God is angry at sin. The real change actually is in you, not him. But a, a sinner who meets God is going to meet God in wrath. A, um, his son, who's perfect, meets God, meets him in joy. A forgiven sinner is going to meet God in joy. The change is in, in you, not in, in God, ultimately. Um, yeah. I'm going to stop talking on that. There's a lot of, yeah. We did a whole series on this about a year ago. Go and listen to that as well. Um, but it's, it's, it is really important to remember God doesn't change. And therefore, the change ultimately is, is in us and the reaction to us, what we experience, not in the very being of God. Yeah. Good. Let's go around tables. I put three questions down, I think. Over to you. Okay, look at that, natural silence. Okay, let's, let's have some, some thoughts, feedback. Um, why is it good news that God doesn't need us for worship? How might that help us as we come to worship on a Sunday morning? But he's not gaining. Any thoughts? Great, yeah, exactly. You're not being called to, by a tyrant who's demanding something from you. It's pound of flesh. Um, it is going to be good for you. Um, whether it feels that way always is a different question because we're human, so it doesn't. But in reality, it's always going to be us gaining, not him. Yeah. Other stuff? Anyone else have anything else on that? I think one of the things that I, I found really helpful thinking about this is that I... I don't need to think. I don't need to feel like I'm bringing anything. I can come um, empty to work to worship. Um, I don't need to come super holy, super on fire. So, I mean, great if you do, obviously. <laughs> but but I can come empty because the whole point is the the main dynamic is receiving, actually. And so quite often um, we've used Isaiah fifty five um, or Matthew eleven. Those kind of come. Invitations, you know, come all who are weary and heavy laden, Matthew 11, or um, uh, come, I'm going to misquote Isaiah 55, I try to do it off the top of my head. So Isaiah 55, um, come everyone who thirsts. If you're thirsty, it's because you lack something. 
Come everyone to the waters. He who has no money, come by and eat. If you haven't got anything, that's, that's good. Come to your God, who's a God full of grace and wants to bless you. So I can come a bit broken-hearted or empty or running on fumes or dry or... Yeah. Um, and I don't need to think of worship as a, as a, a list of duties, but rather a, a feeding. Puritans used to call it the market day of the soul. You go along, you stock up. Um, even if the rest of the week has been totally dry. Remember in the old days, you couldn't go to the supermarket, you could do it on Tuesday. The market day happened once a week, you go and stock up, and that's your food for the week. And that's how they describe worship. You, go and you get full up, he's the one who has to be active and full of energy and on fire, and he is, because he always is. He gives. That also helps, by the way, with the kind of, you know, you must come to church on Sunday. That I, is pretty much the only thing we say as a, if, you know, three-line whip that's a British expression I realise that could be misunderstood because it sounds like a whip isn't it three-line whip is from parliament if, if something's triple underlined you have to be there for a vote anyway the only thing that is absolutely essential is being there on a Sunday okay I'd love, love you to be in a community group great but if you don't want to be there's no command in the Bible you must be in a community group um, they're great I'm going to be in one you don't have to be um, the, the discipleship group mum's Bible study group focus whatever None of them are commanded. They're just things we think are probably good ways of doing a bunch of stuff. The one thing that's commanded is the Sunday worship. Um, so you must be there. But that kind of must needs understanding. It's the kind of must of your mum putting a Sunday roast in front of you and saying, you must eat this. Pardon vegetarians, but you know. Uh, okay, okay. You know, you must kiss your wife. You must eat these sweets. It's a must, but it's, it's not that kind of must. You know, it's not you must slog through the mud or you must eat spinach. Um, yeah, God's commands are always for our blessing. Um, you talked at the beginning about why I go to church. It's really important. We are coming to meet with God. My, this might just be my own background. You will speak against your own background, don't you? But um, I, I just came out of a system where it was all about learning. You go to learn new stuff and to encourage one another. So it wasn't about actually meeting with God. I'm sure no one would have said, oh, we're not going to meet God. But... The focus wasn't really there. It was all about learning, encouraging. Um, ultimately, you're coming to meet God. And um, did, you just, did you talk about the next one? Therefore, if worship is meeting with God, how might that help how we are before, during the service? That understanding that we're there meeting with God? Totally, yeah expectation I, I, yeah god has promised we're going to look at some of these things in future weeks but god has promised to meet me in various ways so i want to come ex- expectantly um not chasing a feeling because that's not but 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 trusting that i am meeting him so when the bible is read and taught if it's taught faithfully i am meeting with him whatever my whatever hormones are doing or whatever it is that controls your feelings that's kind of secondary i am meeting with him lord's supper Gathering of the people, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, expectation. Other things? We should be like, fully engaged in like we should be fully engaged in the service, like listening, not thinking about everything. Yep. Yeah, real engagement with what's going on. It's hard at times, but actually I'm gonna work hard when prayers are being led to listen and, and engage. I know sometimes you've got a baby and that's that and there you go, but um, the songs I'm not just gonna say the words as they kind of off the page, into my eyes, out of my mouth. No, just a minute, I'm, I'm engaging with God here. I'm actually worshipping him. I'm singing to him. You know? um, 
Anything else? Yeah, good question. Yeah, so when I say coming empty and and then engaging, um, go back to the go back to the eating illustration. Um, I'm I'm not saying um, it's not magic in the sense of it's not like you walk through the door and um, you know let's, let's let's go extreme. You walk through the door, go to sleep on one of the nice new sofas next door, and an hour later, all's well. Yeah. You, you've met with God. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the way He meets us is. Again, we're looking at this, but through the word, in the songs, at the Lord's Supper, you know, these sort of things. So, so Peter's point is, is, is still a, is a right one, I think, that when I, I come empty, but I come empty not wanting to stay empty. I come empty wanting to be fed. And the way he feeds me is through the different elements. And so I'm going to want to engage with them in the same way as I'm really hungry and mum puts a roast chicken on the table. If I then go to sleep in my chair... That's not going to have fed me. So, I, yeah, I, I sort of understand what you mean by tension, but I, it's, basically the te- it's basically the same tension of God is sovereign and we're, we're still responsible. So God never says, that's fine, just go to sleep. Mm. It's all grace, so, you know, whatever. We'll I mean, see what I happens. Don't mean so much like going to sleep, I just mean, like, let's say, if you have, like, more kind of, like, if you have a really terrible week uh-huh. or that kind of, like, struggling to, like, you know, take things in rather than, like, I don't want to sit. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah and that's, so... But that's fine. So we've all got different capacities at different times in our lives and all the rest of it. So there will be times when, I don't know, there's been a tragedy in your family or you've just fried or health issues, physical or mental, or, you know, where just your ability to say to concentrate through a fascinating sermon might go up and down. Um, I mean, there we go. It's grace. So, but, but we're, yeah. Yeah, we're trying, our, we're trying as best we can to engage with... Um, same with the kids they can't they just can't I mean my six year old's in the service like I know she can't understand everything in the sermon but that's that's all right. just slowly picks it up and yeah Yeah. and we'll talk talk about this on the song when we get to songs and thing but songs do put words into your mouth but the Psalms do that as well you know I love the Lord or I'm full of joy and sometimes you're like no I'm not but that's okay that's not hypocrisy because what you're doing is you're joining in with you know as I sing these things, I want them to be true of me. Um, it's not like you can only sing that song if it's true for you and then the week. So we might well sing two songs back to back in the service. One of which is, I love you, Lord, I'm full of joy. And the next one is, Lord, from the depths I call to you. And like, you'd have to be schizophrenic to feel both those things inside four minutes. But, but that's okay because it's not all about your emotional state. Hopefully, these Sunday school things, I'm sure we're not answering all the questions and all the rest of it, but just gets us sort of thinking and mulling over the top, topic. Um, that tone one, I, it's just one to, to mull over, isn't it? If, if I'm meeting with God, what does that mean for the tone of the service? It means it's not an education event, it's not a lecture, so I'm not doing everything I can just to best communicate information. Um, it's not entertainment. Okay, so I'm not thinking, what are the kids best going to like? What are... 
is the average 28-year-old non-Christian who lives in Leeds best going to like? I'm, no, we're meeting God. What, what does that do when, when we're meeting God? What does that do for, for our, our tone? And, and where you are changes how you act. You act one way in a coffee shop, another way at a football match, another way at a funeral, um, another way in a lecture theatre. So it's worth thinking through for yourselves. Okay, I, when we go through and the call to worship, the service begins, okay, I'm meeting with God. How is that... How should that change? It's, and basically, the Bible all comes back to the same things, which are reverence or joy. <laughs> yeah, it's not skits. That's why you know. I know some of you might be into this sort of stuff, but like, I just can't get. I can't. I can't get around the idea of doing like little puppet shows, or you know, oh here's Nick dressed as Moses uh, for a children's lot. You know, I'm not having a, having a go at other churches that do that, but you know, we're meeting in the presence of God. Like when that happens in the Bible. You just don't get silliness. Totally okay in kids' clubs and youth groups and Sunday school next door and all the rest of it, because that's not, it's not the worship service. But, you know, Moses is standing there, gathers the people, God comes down. He's not like, Aaron, put on a funny false beard and do like, you know, <laughs> you know see if you can wrap the Ten Commandments, that'll be more engaging. Like, it's, 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 it's meeting with God, it's just like, this is amazing enough. We don't need the, the kind of gimmicks. There we go. Rant at the end to finish things. Let me pray, and then we'll go get sorted out. Father in heaven, we do not see um, yet your glory. We can only trust by faith. And we pray so much that um, we would see how worthy you are. We want to be like those creatures and those 24 elders who bow before the throne and say, worthy are you to receive all glory, honour and power. Uh, We know that this is all for our blessing, that you are so gracious, that although you lack nothing and need nothing, you want to give um, to us who need everything. And so bless us even today as we go... Uh, to worship Uh, and give us uh, we ask by the power of your spirit alone um, hearts um, to be struck again by your um, uh, your grace your love um, uh, your wonder your all this we ask in Jesus name alone Amen